Welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Mel. Sometimes God's word can seem outdated, but it is eternal. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the eternal word of God. All right. We are going to come around this beautiful book, God's Word. This is the closest thing that we have to him audibly speaking to us. Is that okay this morning? All right. You can be seated. Now, this season's topic is elephant in the room. Yeah, and I sit and I watch mainstream media. I listen to many conversations. I'll scroll through social media. And I I feel that as Christians, there's something that we can be doing better. And so we're gonna have a really good look at what this word says, and with God's help, go on to outwork that. Before I give away this morning's topic, I just want you to know that the things that we bring up here, if you are wrestling with them, or if you find that you're struggling with them in any way, we want you to know, number one, you are welcome here. You are loved by us all. You are fiercely loved by God, and he does have a future and a plan and a purpose for your life, and I just want you to keep that in your mind as we go through this topic. This morning, I'm going to be uh, addressing sexual immorality, homosexuality, but more importantly, a Christian's response, okay, which is why the title of my message this morning is Love Actually. Love Actually. For those taking notes, I've got three points, which is Love Actually is... Sexual immorality versus God's design and a loving response. So let's just jump straight into point one. Because these days I hear all sorts of things as to what love is. About 15 years ago, I remember the word tolerance thrown about. It was everywhere, you know, be tolerant. These days it's all about acceptance. You don't really love me unless you fully accept me. Sounds Christian, but is it? You can fiercely love someone without accepting their behavior or their sin, okay? I've got an example. I have these beautiful friends of mine who are raising a family and they have a boy with severe special needs. Now, do they love this child of theirs? Of course they do. But this child has outbursts of anger constant talking back and honestly quite violent behavior and even uh, with the family members. So does this mean that in their love that they then accept this behavior? No, no they don't and how could it? So are they understanding then that because this boy has a bias towards certain behavior that's violent, do they understand that because of his special needs, are are they understanding in in that? Of course they are. Does that then mean that they accept this behavior? No, no it doesn't. This has been, and still is, a very long and loving journey that they walk out with this child, and they're doing really well at it. Scripturally, I want to look at what love is, because we, we hear out there, you know, Love is love. (laughs) Is love just love? Is it void of definition? Should it be easy and then abandoned, you know, if it starts to feel hard? 
If we can just bring up the scripture, please. We're gonna kick it off in beautiful 1 Corinthians 13, verse four. And it leads with love is patient. I love that God just kicks it off with love is patient. Because let me tell you, I don't need patience when everything is peachy and wonderful and glorious and beautiful. I need patience when things aren't so peachy, aren't so lovely, aren't so glorious. And God leads with this you know, definition of love. It starts, love is patient, which means that sometimes it can be really hard. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And I'm gonna highlight this here, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. This is truth. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. This is agape love, unconditional love, and this is how God loves us. As Christians, we are called to love anyone without any conditions, unconditionally. And this is our biblical definition of love. And yes, it has a definition. You have to understand that this Bible, the Word of God, this is not progressive. This is the eternal Word of God. And if I may, I've got my goalposts up here and I'm just gonna have a bit of a, a soccer game because I've got these goalposts here, I've got my ball, I've got my field, I've got my boundaries, which I've clearly just kicked outside of. Here we go, I'm gonna try again. Really worn the wrong shoes for this, but they're super pretty. So here we go again. All right, okay, okay, and ball. I feel like I've missed my calling. I should have been a soccer player. Anyway, yeah. So then we got, what have we got up here? John, what are you doing? Well, oh, is this on? Oh, what excellent. exactly are you doing? I am playing soccer, which is also. Um, See? That doesn't look like soccer to me. Well, you might be wrong. Uh, that looks like a dodgy balloon, a few days old. Yeah. It's got happy birthday written on it, and this is a chair. I don't even know how you score a goal there. Through the chairs! Woo! Oh, come on. I thought it was a good goal. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, bro. What it looks like is you are playing your own game. Just like soccer. Love is defined by its boundaries. It does have rules. It does have a goal to aim for. And it does have an umpire. Love is defined by scripture. It is authored by God. And it has rules and boundaries that are actually designed for our protection and our pleasure to give us life and life more abundantly. Is it okay that the author of love is allowed to decide its boundaries? When we're talking about love, we have to be really careful not to move the goalposts. And what I mean by that is God's word and his ways are the goalposts that we need to be aiming for. It says in Psalms 1830 that his word is perfect. And then it goes on to explain that it is written with our best life and protection 
in his mind. At times, there are parts of scripture in God's word that can be really difficult to hear. You might find yourself in the Bible, reading through it, skimming over certain paragraphs, sections, or verses. You might even be tempted to just grab a page and just rip it on out. That doesn't apply to me. Honestly, I've been there, skimming over passages, convinced that this specific section of the Bible doesn't apply to me. But I've realized something. If you find a place in God's word where you want to skip over because it just doesn't quite sit right with you, the brokenness isn't in God's word. The brokenness is not in God's word. It usually rests with us. The brokenness is not in here. It's usually within us. I'm going to come into point two, which is sexual immorality versus God's best design. Let's start with God's best design because sex is God created and it's good. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> could someone bring up Bible scripture, please? <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. He says, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? and said, for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And I just want you to bring up that next screen, please. So the reference to this scripture is also found in Genesis 2, 21 to 24. It was bang smack in the, the beginning of the Bible. He created them man and woman. He designed man to leave his father and his mother. He designed them husband and wife to be together. He designed them to reproduce and he designed them to be committed to one another in one flesh. And he says, this, it's up here, there you go, that he has joined them together and let not man separate. So that word separate in Greek is actually triviso. And it's not just talking about a departure from a man leaving his husband or wife. This word triviso means separate, depart, or don't leave from. This is actually don't leave from this. Don't leave from his design. Don't leave from the way that he has formed it. Don't separate it, okay? Let's keep going. If we can bring up the next scripture. So in Hebrews 13, four, it says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And in 1 Corinthians 7, two, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. This is God's best design for humanity. And it's designed to give us life and protection and life more abundantly. So sexual immorality is basically anything that exists without that design. You've got a husband and a wife in a marriage situation. So sexual immorality is whatever sexual act exists outside of that. And so we're gonna have a really good look. If you can just bring up on the screen uh, these next scriptures. I'm not going to read all of them out. Can you grab me that water, please? Thanks, darling. 
Okay, so I am not going to actually go through and read these out, but this one does clearly talk about homosexuality. Uh, it's Romans 1, 26 to 27. You can take a screenshot of that or you can write these notes down. Next one, please, is in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. And then we're going to read this next scripture out, if you can also then bring that next one up. So, and this is found in Corinthians. And it says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on that beautiful name of Jesus Christ and um, the called by the spirit of our God. Now I wanna pick it up in verse 11 here where it says, Paul says, and such were some of you. Because you know he's talking to the church, right? He's not out in the world having this conversation, he's addressing the church. Aren't you glad that we are the righteousness of Christ? Let's pick it up in verse 18. It says, flee from, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin, it's a sin against your own body. You're hurting yourselves, guys. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You who do not belong to yourself, for God brought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. That was 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 20. Can I briefly explain what this looks like, please? Because we view sin differently to how God views sin. You know, someone does something over here and we're like, that's naughty, you shouldn't be doing that. And yet this person over here is, you know, doing some good things, oh, they're good, and oh, they're not so good. And God actually doesn't view sin like that. He views things through life or death. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, I put this before you, life or death. John actually preached on this a few months ago on the path message. Are you on the path to life or are you on the path to death? Are you pathless? Are you encouraging people down a path of life or are you encouraging them down a path of death? And the best way I can explain it is if you kind of got your goalposts over here and, and you've got your ball, <laughs> you pick it up and let's do, and we're gonna liken those goalposts to the word of God. Please remember that. It's God's word and his ways. And so I've got my ball here. I've injured my foot and I go to kick it, but you know, oh, fall down in fornication. It's like, oh, it's all right. I'm just gonna get back up here and I'll have another go. I've got my ball and I'll kick over it and I fall down again in the same sin. But I'm gonna get back up again and I'm gonna face this way and I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna keep trying and I'm gonna kick the goal. This is the definition of being on the path of life. Keep trying for it. Keep going for it. Keep facing his direction. Don't move the goalposts. Keep them where they are. Off path is when you go, nope, I don't believe it. I'm gonna face this way. I'm gonna go play my own game. God's word doesn't apply to me. Or maybe just that section doesn't, I'm not interested. I'm not going for it. 
stay on the path to life. His boundaries are kindness. They're actually there for our protection and our pleasure to give us life and life more abundantly. You know, I remember a few years ago, we were having a family holiday and um, I got everyone ready to go to the beach in the morning and we're all excited and we got up and had our swimmers on. I get there and look down and it's full of blue bottles, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. Ah, oh, they're awful, aren't they, Zach? I've been stung by one before, it actually ruined my holiday. And the thing is, is that I could have taken my family swimming because like all of you, I have free will. There was nothing on that beach stopping me from taking me and my family into that water. But there was an authority that said that if I do that, there was a really good chance that I was going to get stung and it was gonna ruin our holiday. You need to understand that God's boundaries are actually loving. When people come to my home with their young children, they love putting their kids in my backyard because it's all fenced off. It's protective. They're not gonna run out the side and go and run on the road and get injured. Boundaries are there for us. They're a loving act from God. They are there for our protection. They're there for our safety. They're there for our pleasure. And they are here to give us life and life more abundantly. I'm gonna come into point number three. How do we respond to people, loved ones, family, friends, work colleagues, strangers who are living a sexually immoral life or struggling and wrestling with these things? Number one, can we actually love people? Can we actually deeply care about them? deeply care about the path that they are either on or off. It is our deepest hope in this place that all people, all shapes, all sizes, declared pronouns, walk through those doors. How are you gonna treat them? I, it is my deepest hope here that they will walk in and know that they are fiercely loved by God. And I would hope that they are fiercely loved by us as well. This does not mean agreeing with a certain behavior or a sinful lifestyle. You can fiercely love somebody without saying, oh yeah, that's perfectly fine. Keep an open arm with these people. Keep an open arm with all people. You can love someone without accepting their sin. Do you know that even on Facebook that you can actually unfollow somebody without completely unfriending them and blocking them out of your life? If you've got really great restraint, you can even keep following them and just have you know, restraint about maybe not posting on every single little thing that you agree with. Lead in love. Care actually. Musicians, can you come please? You know, sometimes you might have to say, something really gently. And sometimes, and young people, can I have your attention please? Sometimes you don't have to say anything. In fact, if you aren't sure what to say, it's most certainly best not to say anything, especially when we're talking about something as sacred as God's word. Sometimes we feel as Christians that we have to have an answer for absolutely everything. It's okay to not actually say anything. 
if you do say something, can I just ask, be sure that it's centred in truth. That's this thing. Be sure it's truth-centred. Is it biblically sound? Keep the goalposts where they belong. Also, just be careful that when you're talking to people that you're not giving the devil added, added airtime. Yeah, he loves airtime on specific subjects. And a good gauge to ask yourself, is this conversation going to bring about life or is it just giving the devil airtime? A good argument does not win people to Jesus. A good argument does not win people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads people to repentance. Actually, (laughs) you know, the best thing that you can do for the world, the best thing that you can do for people in struggles, the kindest thing that you can do for them is to actually let your light shine. Actually look after, nurture, protect, invest in your own relationship with God. That's actually the best thing that you can do for the world. Years ago, John had a friend of his that he'd known for a long time uh, come out on Facebook and declare that he had left his wife and left his family because he wanted to go and pursue another man. And then he tagged John in on it, desperate for John's acceptance and approval, which he didn't get. It's like he just met my husband, seriously. <laughs> what was super grievous about this? Yes, it was, it was sad, you know, what had happened, but the part that really grieved us was all of the Christian comments underneath this Facebook post. Congratulations, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad that you've finally found your true self. What? In Matthew 16, 13, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? But in verse 15, he looked at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? What does the world say about Jesus, especially around these topics? That's fine. But who do you say that he is? In Joshua 6, 60 to 67, Jesus comes out with some teaching and literally offends everybody there, everybody. It was hard teaching. And his disciples respond with, this is hard teaching, Lord. Who can accept it? Jesus responds with the words, I have spoken to you, they are full of life and the spirit and life. With that, many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him. He then asked his 12, do you wanna leave too? Do you wanna leave too? Can we bring up this scripture please? In Joshua 24, 14 to 15, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you 
to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were dwelt. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Does it seem evil to you to serve the Lord? Honestly, there are cultural gods, gods of the day, and then there's the actual living, breathing, fierce loving God who does not change. You see, we don't serve the God of 2022, we serve the ageless God. He is eternal. His ways and His his word, they are ageless. They are eternal. These are not old fashioned values. These are His values. His word is immovable. You see, young people, again, I want your attention here. If you think it's kindness to get these goals and move them for people because it creates a bit of a tension, it's a bit uncomfortable. Number one, sometimes the tension's actually supposed to be there. What if that tension was the very thing that was going to go, ooh, I actually need to dig deeper, find truth, find life. But these things here, they're not immovable. So if you think, oh, I'm just gonna move it to the side, you have to realise it's immovable, it doesn't change. So if you're moving away, what are you doing? You're actually walking away from God's word and his ways. Choose this, you this day who you will serve. You have no idea how much God cares for you. The life he has prepared for you. Plans filled with a future. Plans filled with hope. He knows you better than anyone. No one has paid a higher price for you. I wanna pray. Lord, for some of us here this morning, this is a hard message. And God, in our understanding and in our lack of understanding, I just pray that you would highlight your truth, which is that you are a God who fiercely loves us. You are a God who has designed things for our own protection because you have the best life in mind for us. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would help us to walk in your light, to walk in your way, to walk in your truth. Help us, God. We pray. Amen. You know, um, maybe you don't know God, never given your heart to Him, and maybe you're here today and you go, you know, I believe that there is a God, but I can't actually say I know Him. And um, here's the thing is He knows who you are, and and he wants to have a relationship with you. And um, I think as, as believers, it's important that we build our relationship with God every day. It's the most important thing that we have in life is to continually build our relationship with God. And, and if you've never done this, if you've never been on this journey, let me tell you the beautiful thing about God is the, the goalposts are always there. They always remain. When you build your relationship with God, He's not uh, emotional in the sense of he's upset with you, so he walks away. 
He doesn't look at you and go, oh, I don't like you today or anything like that. He loves you every day the same as the very day he formed you in your mother's womb. And uh, he loves you unconditionally. And uh, he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to give your heart to him. So I would love if we could all close our eyes in this place. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if you uh, aren't walking in a relationship with God, maybe you've done what Rachel just said, where you've walked away from the goalpost and you're thinking, no, it's okay, I'm a Christian, I, be- I believe in God, he's, he's out there, but you've actually been walking away from the Word, you've been walking away from truth. It's time for you to come back and to say, you know what, God hasn't changed, God hasn't moved the goalpost, it's what I have done, but God, today I want to turn back around and start this journey. It's not about being perfect, you may stumble, but you're facing in the right direction towards God. And that's you building your relationship with Him. If you would like to do that today, every eye is closed. Could you just boldly lift your hand right now just so I know who I'm about to pray with? I won't ask you at the front or embarrass you, but I want to pray with you this morning. So just going to look one more time. If you'd like to give your heart to God, or I see your hand there, sir. You can put that down. Is there anyone else here this morning? Maybe you want to come back today and say, you know what, I've been walking away, but it's time to start walking towards God. Just one more time. One more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what I love to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and I would love everybody in the room to repeat this out loud after me. And uh, for you, sir, why don't you make this your first prayer today as a Christian? Lifting your hand is all it took. The Bible said we are, we are saved through faith and not works. There is nothing you can do that makes God save you more than you just lifting your hand, and that's an act of faith. So everybody, why don't you repeat this after me? God, I see you today, and I know you love me. Today, I turn my heart, my affections, my life, towards you and I will pursue you every time I stumble I'll get up again and I'll continue to pursue you I accept salvation today I give you my heart and I declare you are God and you are my God Today, I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together one more time. It's a great decision.